0: This is Make It Curry. Make It Curry. M. I. P. With Massimilia Matfumo. Mark Thompson. Make It point. Get Woke. Ladies and gentlemen, fresh back from his time off is Marcos Melitzis, the founder of DailyCoast.com, the founder of Citizens with the Q, the host of the ever-popular podcast, The Brief. Marcos, welcome back to Thursday Coast. How are you,
1: buddy? Oh, so good to see you. Uh, happy to be back. And I cannot believe how busy this summer is politically. Summer supposed to be like the calm before the storm. And it's yeah. been all storm.
0: Yeah, it's it's been crazy. But now let me say this. There's a, a, a saying in the church um, when a minister invites a guest preacher, he doesn't, he always says, to the preacher, don't preach too well, too good. <laughs> so your church, you don't want to steal the church from. Him. So that's a joke. If somebody preaches really well, they'll say, like, like I'll, i a couple of times I've been to preach for M Barb, and he says, Rem Thompson's trying to steal the church from me. <laughs> Brandy Buckman is trying to steal Thursday Coach from you. Uh, oh. Brandy <laughs> has been because she's
1: the best.
0: She is incredible uh, and so insightful and so attentive to detail. I, I want to start there, though, man. Did did you? I didn't. Did you have any idea that the January Sixth Committee hearings would end up being the highest rated uh, television streaming Netflix? Of, I mean you you can't get anything fictional better than this stuff
1: I mean the material has been great the production's value the production values have been great they they've put on a good show uh, Liz Cheney's a prosecutor by trade so she knows how to put together an argument presenting it to the jury and in this case America is the jury and the the there's something to be said about a congressional committee that isn't a circus right and, and and mccarthy the the house minority the republican leader in the house really really screwed up right because donald trump didn't you know he wanted this committee uh sabotaged and because he's so stupid and mcconnell has no or uh, mccarthy has no ability to actually push back against trump he didn't say like the way to sabotage this committee is by having our people on it if you remember the original deal, it ended at the end of last year. It had to end calendar year. So the Republicans on the committee would have just filibustered the entire time. It would have been a circus. Nothing would have happened. And then it would have been over and we would have on by now. And so this is where people like me were screaming, why don't the Democrats just, just go at this thing solo? And. It ended up happening that way, not because that was Pelosi's plan, but because Donald Trump and Kevin McCarthy were so stupid that they actually sat it out. And so the the second piece of genius was to get Liz Cheney on the committee. And yeah, maybe um, what's his face from Illinois, who, whose name suddenly escapes me. But uh, Liz Cheney's really was the, was the key there because she's the one that's really been pushing this thing forward and been aggressive when democrats on the committee time and time again are afraid to push hard and we see this somebody doesn't show up somebody ignores their subpoena and they're like well maybe we'll consider perhaps uh uh taking a vote on maybe holding them in contempt i mean it's just shut up just do it i don't, I don't understand if they want to threaten the individual that send a letter to the lawyer right i mean you will have to make it but they always they're afraid to look like they're actually committing to being aggressive. And Liz Cheney doesn't have that. Liz Cheney's like, what are you talking about? Let's, let's (laughs) fricking, no, let's, let's, let's issue citation contempt. Like she's always the one that is telling uh, at one point, I, I think it was, it was Thompson who was like, you know, we won't refer anything to the justice department. And Liz Cheney's like the hell we won't. Of course we will. So that's been a godsend to us. She's going to lose her primary. I mean, we've seen multiple now polls now where she's down by over 20 points. Unfortunately she will. And I, I can't believe I'm saying that about a Cheney, but, but, uh, she, she put her country, she put the constitution first and whatever the political play may be, there might not even be one. Maybe she really does believe in her country to the point where she wasn't willing to, to surrender to Donald Trump and, and, uh, and his minions so it's it's been it's been an amazing it's been an amazing riveting season <laughs> Almost, you know you couldn't script this thing better and uh and um and yeah and I'm glad you uh, you've had brandy on to talk about it cuz she she can break that thing down like nobody's business i mean she's been tracking the story since day 1 right. and right, is right. one of the reasons that i was very aggressive in in hiring her with her previous uh, publication later off.
0: Though she is uh, qualifying to replace you in the pulpit, I've still been preaching your gospel. Everywhere oh, I've... she
1: can replace me. I mean, I know no, genius no. when I see it. And particularly if we're gonna talk about January 6th, it's, it's, yeah. I, there's nobody better.
0: But I've still been preaching the gospel according to Marcos. And everywhere I've been, I've talked to people about what we've talked about the important demographics: the black electorate, suburban, college-educated white women. So, um, I think, and we've talked about this before. You know, people not really moving. The January six hearing is not necessarily moving, changing the way people might vote. But if we're talking about hitting suburban, college-educated white women, you've already got a road out there. But I think these hearings are probably appealing, correct me if I'm wrong, to that group. And I think even Cassidy Hutchinson and Liz Cheney helped with that. Cassidy Hutchinson was an, an unimpeachable witness and to hear Donald Trump's behavior. And now for people to put words on it, someone who was trying to grab the steering wheel and choke out one of his Secret Service agents, that's the person who has put lifetime appointments on the Supreme Court to undermine women's bodily autonomy. So even if it doesn't move those who are already with him, if it moves a small number, and if it motivates those who never should have left us and should have been with us in the first place, I I, I think it's it's a a powerful thing. I, I want to get your reaction, and then I want to talk about the Democrats and prosecution and the DOJ. But but your reaction to that part of my theory?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I I don't. There's there's a difference between changing people's minds and 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 motivating and demotivating key constituencies, right? And they're, they're separate. One is mobilization, one is persuasion. Democrats for a long time, it's been my argument, had so focused on persuasion that they've let mobilization, getting our people to vote. And we've talked about it. If black voters in Mississippi voted at certain rate, it would be a purple state. I mean, one of the, one of the crazy things, if you take the, the black vote in Mississippi in the presidential year, and you apply it to an off year like now, We'd win. We'd win whatever statewide races are happening, right? mobilization's a, a huge challenge in, in, our, in our constituency that, that Republicans haven't had. Um, all these things are changing that. And I've been, I've been arguing that, that we've been shifting away from a midterm electorate to a general election electorate. And there's a couple of pieces. Republicans obviously want to make this a traditional midterm election. Our system does not allow the party in power to get anything done. The filibuster, the unrepresentative Senate, the separation between the House, Senate, and then the Supreme Court. Our system is designed to make nothing happen. And so somebody gets elected full of promises. The supporters of that president are going to be dem- demoralized because nothing's happening. And the opponents are disenfranchised, so they're going to be revved up, right? So that's why you get resistance. You got the resistance against Trump. You get the Tea Party against Obama. You get the QAnon, whatever it is today, against, against Biden. This is sort of part of the... So, yeah, you focus on the economy. Republicans actually had good material to work with. Gas prices is a, is a big one. I think it's a stupid metric to base voting on, but it's politically, it's gold, undoubtedly. What's happened, though is that the Supreme Court has said, no, you know what? Democrats aren't in charge of this country. We are. We conserve it. So suddenly our side's feeling like we're under siege because we are under siege. And that changes the dynamic. Then you have Trump saying he's going to announce for president sooner rather than later. So instead of it being a referendum on Joe Biden, it becomes 2020 the sequel. Again, motivate, Trump motivates our base more than, he motivates their base; otherwise, he would still be president. And these dynamics uh, conspire. And then, so, what does January six mean? January six means that we've just spent almost the first hearing, like a couple of months ago, right? Republicans want to talk about inflation and gas prices. The media, the news coverage, is talking about what's coming out of the January six commission. So, if nothing else. It has drowned out the Republican message. For the last two months, going into the next month. And last we heard the commit the committee said that they, they're gonna keep things going even after this January 6th report because they're they're uncovering additional potential uh, wrongdoing, like members of Congress prepare you know preparing the ground for the January 6th invasion um, coup attempt. So there, there's a lot there going on and it really makes it hard. I mean, it's amazing how hard it is for the Republican message to come through. And so they're, they're, getting, they're getting almost, uh, they're running around in circles, like they don't know what to do. So, so today Marco Rubio was asked about codifying gay marriage by voting for a gay marriage bill, right? And he said, well, I know gay people and all they care about is, is gas prices. I mean, like the things they're saying are so patently absurd and ridiculous because they, they are trapped. They're trapped between their base and they're trapped within the majority. In a case of gay marriage, it's 70, 70 to 75% national support for marriage equality. And they're on the wrong side of that because they are so beholden to that tiny corner of the Republican, of the Republican base. So yeah, you're seeing what is effectively become an entirely new battleground. I don't think, we, I don't think there's an analog um, George Bush, you know, he was able to hold off losing ground post 9-11. So the 2002 midterm election, it's a, it was an anomaly, but it wasn't a general election electorate. It was just people thinking like, we don't need to change, you know, direction in the middle of a war. It, it was, it was a much, this is both sides feeling disenfranchised. Obviously Republicans feel disenfranchised because Congress and, and, and you know, the White House are Democratic held, at least nominally, in the case of the Senate. We are feeling disenfranchised because the Supreme Court is saying, you know, nothing you do matters. We're going to we're going to invalidate it all. And in fact, we're going to make it so the federal government can't do anything. This is the direction they're heading. They're trying to destroy the regulatory state. So it has given our side a new kick in the butt. And Mark, I think there's people out there that still don't realize I think there are women out there that still don't know what's happened to abortion because it's so like, it's so unfathomably stupid.
0: Right, right, right. Still can't believe it.
1: So people uh, are still showing up to abortion clinics, expecting to get an abortion and then being told they right. can't.
0: Still can't believe it. And, and, you know, I thought about this too. You mentioned Bush. I, I think some of this too is shocking all, which is a strategy they adopted some time ago. And what shock and awe does, it is, makes things, un- I mean, what well, this can't be. First yeah. of all, you know, and and yeah. I talk, you know, I've had all of the abortion rights activists on the show and, and we all had a consensus that before this reversal, even leading up to it in the conversations we had, it was hard to convince people it was really gonna happen. We kept saying, Marcos, people like you and me and everybody else, we've been saying this for years. Hillary said it in 2016, but after a while, we all look like chicken little, skies falling. Nobody oh, believed. it.
1: Oh, that's what they thought, 50 years to yeah, that,
0: right. yeah. Right, right, and so nobody believed it. Now this happened, and then there are those who don't know. All points well taken. Before I leave January 6th, here's one other piece. That, uh, that, uh, while you were wearing, you may have noticed this. More, there's been more conversation coming from some of the, the punditry that Merrick Garland has to do something. And you remember, you, you alluded to what Benny Thompson and others said, they were like, oh, you know, we don't really do that. So the last hearing, when Liz Cheney called out Donald Trump explicitly for witness tampering, and she said, without any objection from anybody else on the panel, on the committee, that she was giving this information, this information was gonna be sent to the DOJ. What I am saying is this, this makes it even harder for Garland and his ilk to live by this argument that you don't want to set a precedent of prosecuting former presidents unless that happened with a Democrat. But, but to me, here's the here's the yeah. asterisk around this. You now have a former president breaking the law, witness tampering while he's out of office. That's very specific. You couldn't get Al Capone on everything. You had to get him on the one thing that you could get. Yep. So maybe you don't. So fine, you know, we can haggle about whether or not we prosecute him for everything else while he was still president. But this is enough. And frankly, Marcos, I the average American gets that. Is that's not uh, a gray or complicated. It's not complex. People know witness tampering is. You you not everybody knows that that's just not something you do. And I don't think that's. I mean, that's that's open and shut case. It's black and white. Is he contacting witnesses or is he not? And if they have that evidence, so I, I think ultimately, Garland, I'm not saying he'll do it, but I think that suggestion alone, that issue alone, that charge alone makes it difficult for him to continue to continue to stick his head in the sand on this.
1: Yeah, so there's two pieces to this that, that I think are worth discussing. One is, is the Justice Department being aggressive in pursuing what's coming out, out of and there is a lot of indication that it's not and that somebody needs to light a fire on their asses. And, and we always, Mark, I remember when we looked at, at Biden's cabinet picks and we said, they're all great except for Garland. Like we knew that Garland was going to be a problem. And, and, uh, so, you know, it almost like, okay, like we knew this fight was coming. Um, It sucks. Now, the second piece, though, that I want to sort of bring up is that there's been a lot of screaming about this memo that the Justice Department just issued saying no, uh, no announcements of any, uh, you know, we're not moving forward on any indictments from here to the election. And people have interpreted that to mean that the the Justice Department won't move on Donald Trump or his associates before the election. And actually, that's two different things. And I think people are misreading that memo. That memo goes out every year. It goes out, ev- it's standard operating procedure. And it specifically talks about candidates. It you know, Donald Trump, this is why Donald Trump suddenly, I think, wants to announce his candidacy uh, because he thinks that'll protect them from indictment, uh, which it wouldn't because all it would do, you know, if there's actually an indictment coming, it would just push it into mid-November, right? I mean, this is, this is not a blanket shield, as, you know, candidates in general. It's just saying, do not announce any, and we've seen what happens when they do that. Even, you know, uh, Comey talking about looking at that laptop and the Hillary Clinton email BS, that probably caused Hillary Clinton the election. The Justice Department shouldn't be inserting itself politically with candidates in the middle of election season. That does not apply to Donald Trump. Even if he announces his candidacy now, does not apply to him because he's not up for re-election until, you know, or election for another two years. doesn't apply to his associates. So if the Justice Department wants to move, that memo has nothing to do with it. Now, if they wanted to move on some of the House members that maybe were part of the conspiracy, that's a different story. And then, okay, can't move on those, but you move in November. So people were freaking out about that, including Rachel Maddow. And that seemed like a a misreading. That, That was very much standard operating procedure. That said, we haven't seen the kind of urgency in the Justice Department. And maybe they're doing it quietly, which hopefully. But given Garland's record, And you know, I'm not particularly, uh, I don't know if I would bet on that right now.
0: Yeah, and unfortunately, I wouldn't either. But you're right. One has should not one should not have anything to do with the other, because we're not talking about candidates. We're talking about people who are no longer in power, people who are his staff. And Trump definitely is not a candidate yet. But then maybe that's why he's rushing to announce
1: I mean, he thinks that'll protect him. I doubt it will because he's his election's not for two years. So You can't announce a candidacy. So you can't touch me for the next four years. He might think that, but we all know Donald Trump's an idiot, and uh, um, and hopefully it wouldn't mean anything. And you know what? If it actually gets him to announce, that's good for Democrats, which is why Republicans are freaking the heck out about <laughs> that. They're already they already don't know what to do with this whole Supreme Court gay marriage. They keep saying things. Male pundits and male Republicans keep saying things like, oh, this will pass by November as though women are like, (laughs) like, all right, we're good with it now. Two months passed. We're okay. Let's 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 vote on gas prices. That seems to be more wishful thinking in the male punditry that it's just it's been um, completely doesn't understand the the importance and the urgency of the issue. And I'm even going to put some Republicans on there because, you know, Clyburn said that the decision was anticlimactic. I mean, there's, there's been a real from the male side of the political spectrum. It's been really, really weak. And, and Carrie Elleville and I, who, you know, she's my co-host on the brief. We've been talking about abortion as, as a game changer, like last year, like Once we knew that the Supreme court had taken up that case. Once we knew that they ruled it the way they did in the Texas case. That we, this was coming. This was we. It was happening. We always said that the two issues that were going to be a big factor in this election were going to be abortion and we're going to be Donald Trump. And I was skeptical on Donald Trump for a while. I was like, I, I. It was my theory. And I was like, well, maybe Donald Trump because this abortion thing, the Supreme Court, they're hitting so hard right now. Maybe people will forget about Donald Trump, and then he comes out and says he wants to announce. Right. So, so maybe I was right back then. Um, after all. But the issues that are driving this election, Republicans, they're trying to make immigration. or you know, when's the last time you heard critical race theory? I mean, that stuff has fallen off true. That's true. The radar, right they they're they're scrambling. they're They're in serious damage control mode. They don't know what to do. Um, Pelosi has done a fantastic job on the on the vote to codify gay marriage. And she's talking about one to codify Griswold, which is the Supreme Court decision. Legalizing um, contraception, guaranteeing a right to contraception, watch Republicans vote against that one. then I don't think they will because I think Democrats are afraid of the word sodomy, but there is um, a Supreme Court decision that, that forbade state from banning sodomy, which was basically it was basically used against gay uh, people, but there's nothing stopping it from being used against straight couples as well. Um, or groups, and uh, there should be there, there. There's a real opening for Democrats right now. Haven't been painted as the party of big government for so long. to Say, uh, look at we're the party of privacy. We're the party that says you don't. Government doesn't stick its nose in the office with your doctor. Doesn't stick its nose in the bedroom. Doesn't stick its nose in your church. Decide who you can marry, who you can love. We're the party that get that empowers you to live your happiest life. And it's 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 not BS. I mean Republicans have made it very clear and, and Clarence Thomas's um his uh, concurring opinion was the biggest gift. The Democrats he could have kept his mouth shut a little hinted that the decision meant that that uh that gay marriage, that um that contraception, that those, this, that those decisions were all up because they're all basically founded on the same core uh, Supreme Court case guaranteeing a right to privacy. Um, interracial marriage too, which is why Clarence Thomas goes, oh my God, he's married a white woman. So let, let, let me carve that out because it's what's important to me. But they're all based on the same, same decision. So here's an opportunity for, for Congress to pass votes to codify all those things and here's the beauty of it if it passes it's great policy great now the you know, supreme court can't touch gay marriage it can't touch interracial marriage it can't touch contraception and ideally you know it can't touch regulate people's behavior in their bedrooms the sodomy case but there's enough republicans that are going to vote against those that we also on top of it good, being good policy that will pass 47 Republicans voted to codify gay marriage in the House, including a Republican from Idaho, all four Republicans from Utah. and almost every state, there is a Republican that voted to codify gay marriage. But in the Senate, when you look at the, the battleground states, in the Senate, you have Ron Johnson in Wisconsin is gonna vote against it. Marco Rubio said he's gonna vote against it. Uh, I'm sure Dr. Oz in Pennsylvania, you, you know, he personally may not care about marriage equality, but he, uh, it's either piss off his MAGA base or it's piss off suburban white college educated women. He's in a hard place in a tough battleground state. Um, Ted Budd, I always think Ted Bundy, Ted Budd is the Republican candidate for Senate in, in North Carolina. He's in a house. He voted against marriage equality. Um, what other states are, are, are in Nevada in, I mean, obviously Herschel Walker in, in Georgia is gonna be against it uh, in Arizona too. So this has given Democrats a major issue that won't just play to those college educated suburban swing voters, uh, but it also will motivate liberal voters to turn out and vote because by voting against it, it sends a signal. That they are out for those rights. And now we realize this isn't chicken little stuff anymore. Like you said, this is real. And Clarence Thomas literally said that that's next on his agenda. We don't have to sit there and pretend. It's not liberals saying that. It's Clarence Thomas. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.
0: And, and, and just again, um, for your own edification and, and trading talking points, uh, I've been conducting an informal poll amongst other uh, jurists and attorneys who went to law school, unlike me, to ask if while in law school, the Dred Scott decision was applied in every class to every case the way Clarence Thomas does. And everybody unanimously agrees that it was not. He seems to have a fetish um, for that case and possibly Plessy too, because they use Plessy to strike down Roe. Um, This fascination with the the cases that pretty much impacted the racial landscape in this country. Um, Don't know any other case, don't read any other case. They Mm -hmm. just kind of I guess they sit up. That's like pornography. to them. we're going to reverse all of this. We're going to take this back. But it's having an impact, obviously, on 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 everybody, uh, on everybody else. But but now those are all good signs, as you've explained. Uh, Before we go, though, let me just ask you this. While those are good signs, there's still the feeling amongst many that Biden is slow to act in a lot of areas. He was criticized for being slow to do whatever he was going to do about Roe. Uh, the student debt piece is still out there, which is a major piece. I I would think, and you and I have alluded to this, but everything you just said, that being great, if he, the student debt piece would be the icing on the cake. I mean, that would probably knock the ball out of the park. They're still slow to move on that. Now there's a debate about whether or not he's gonna go ahead and now do an executive order when it comes to climate, which he could do, uh, unlike, he could do an executive order for that, that he couldn't do in some other places. So I'm just worried, and what do you think about this? that even with everything you shared and how that is mobilizing, isn't mobilizing enough when the Biden White House seems to advise, oh, just just don't be cool, don't. What you described about Democrats as usual. Yeah, 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 no.
1: Biden gets excited, he doesn't care about choice. It's clear in his response, he does not care about abortion rights. He does not care about abortion rights. He cares about bipartisanship. Oh my God, you get a bipartisan vote and he can't, he's out there immediately bragging about how bipartisan it is. And he'll keep talking about how bipartisan it is for the rest, for months on end. That gets his juices flowing. He doesn't care about, uh, he doesn't care about student debt. He still thinks that it costs like a thousand dollars to go to school back, like back in his day. Like this is where people, I had a job and I could pay for school. Oh, you have a job in college that'll pay for a $50,000 tuition bill plus it plus books, plus expenses, plus living, room and board. Like these people are so out of touch that, and this is what you get for electing somebody who's 80 years old. I mean, I'm, I'm, I've never shied away from, (laughs) from being, from talking about how critically important it is to actually elect people that are plugged into the current realities of America. And so Biden is what he is. Now, the, it, where we are, Lucking out in a lot of ways is that this election's not about Biden anymore. It's not a referendum on Biden. If Trump announces, yeah, okay, maybe it's a ref- it's a 2020 rematch. It really is a referendum on the Supreme Court. This is where we have gotten. So Biden isn't being helpful, and he could be helpful, and I hope he becomes more helpful. But the dynamics are shifting in our direction. In spite of Biden, and this is what has Republicans freaking out, right? So, so their new talking point against these votes in Congress on on marriage equality, on on uh, maybe even on interracial marriage—I haven't seen that announced yet, but it should be coming on contraception—is that well, it's the law of the land, and everybody can just laugh that off because so was abortion until a month ago, so. They they don't have a message. They don't have a way. Um, so who was McConnell said this is unnecessary because nobody's seriously trying to get rid of this. Okay then then it should be an easy vote, right? You have a vote on apple pie and puppies. Is McConnell going to be like, no, we shouldn't have a vote on this because it's no okay? Have the vote, great. Yeah, okay, mm-hmm. we're all in favor of puppies and apple pie. Right. Obviously, the problem is that it splits them and. Given how divisive gay marriage was for Democrats for so long, this is really delicious sort of karma, right? Every single Democrat voted for for gay marriage in the House. 47 Republicans voted for gay marriage in the House. And it seems clear right now that there's 60 votes, easily 60 votes in the Senate for it to pass. The problem McConnell has is that he's trying to show a moderate face of the Republican Party. So that people focus less on Herschel Walker and, and, you know, his craziness and more on gas prices and inflation. That's what we're not scary, but, you know, gas prices and inflation. And then here are people like Rubio and, and, and Bud and, and Dr. Oz and, you know, Ron Johnson who are going to vote against or will come out with statements against gay marriage. And we'll show, gay marriage is supported by 71, 72% of the American public. The only state that doesn't have majority support for gay marriage is Mississippi. Every other state. Wisconsin, 65% support for gay marriage. Have Ron Johnson come out against it. North Carolina, it's 66, 67%. In in Pennsylvania, it's, it's low 60s. This is not a issue. And then contraception. So Republicans will try to make it against the morning after pill, but, you know, we'll message that it's the pill. It's, 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 it's condoms. It's contraception that is under the gun. And we can message that easily. Like, Republican conservatives have a real hang-up on that. That's why Catholic hospitals will not issue birth control. The religious, you know, we need to impose our religious beliefs on society caucus wants to see those things made illegal so it, it puts us in a place and this will be it this is what we're going to talk about republic what they're going to talk about a fake caravan coming from honduras they're going to talk about critical race theory that's sh- that stuff has passed it's over
0: yeah, that, that's what's really passed it's, it's run its course just like the tea party did but since you went yeah. there since you went there you talked about biden and and his a so he said he's going to run again can he should he run again people are talking about your governor gavin newsom
1: yeah, I'll, I'll, like do <laughs> <Okay>. some, <laughs> I'm not. I'm, I mean, honest, I'm. It's time for somebody to sign a white straight man. It, it just we need to evolve as a country beyond always looking to the white male savior, and and it it pains me <laughs> that 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 that's still a thing. And and I'm somebody who loves John Fetterman running for Senate in Pennsylvania, right? And and I'm excited for him, and I think he's going to win that race. He's looking really good. Polls have him up eight to 10 points against Dr. Ross. Like we're looking really good in Pennsylvania. It pains me that we still have to look to, you know, manly men, white men to, to like save us in, in too many places. So I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to get overly excited about yet another white man. And and I've got issues with, with uh, Gavin Newsom that are not policy based and, you know, we can explore some other day if, if you really care, but um, we have, a lot of really great potential options that aren't, that aren't Kevin to use them. That said, incumbents have a huge advantage. And so it behooves us to have Joe Biden run again. And I say that as somebody who's not a big fan, right? I've, I've made that very clear. So from a practical standpoint, an incumbent has a huge yeah. advantage. So, it behooves us for him to, to run again and, uh, and take advantage of those incumbency advantages. And you know what? He, he, may, not be, he may not be popular in, in any real sense. I don't think he generates hostility on more moderate type people in some Republicans. He's not somebody people hate. They just don't love him. And there's value in that. In our polarized society, there's value in having a candidate that Republicans may be like, oh, it's going to be Donald Trump again. I can't vote for that guy who Democrats have. Elizabeth Warren, holy shit, we got to vote against her. Joe Biden, eh, I'll just stay home. And, and it, mm. it hurts my soul to say that. <laughs> right.
0: No, Marcos is uh, right, folks, because remember, Raffensburg, he literally said that in Georgia, which I didn't know, which shocked a lot of people when Biden called, I mean, when, when Trump called and he 11,000 votes, he said, "Dude, you had over 30,000 Republicans who left the top ballot, the presidential part of the ballot, blank." That, and that was y'all, before everybody knew about that was before January 6. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm, st- we got, I'm still curious to know what were 33,000 Republicans thinking in November 2020? That they still wouldn't vote for Trump in Georgia. I mean, so like,
1: he—he was—he four years of Trump, four years of Trump. People, people knew what Trump was, and it, it was starting to chip away at the margins. But the margins was all it took in Arizona, and it's all it took in Georgia, and in Wisconsin, probably. I haven't looked at Wisconsin, the the drop off, but I'm sure there was one there too.
0: And we know all it took was the margins for him to win, y'all. That's why the margins are yeah. important. Oh my God, they're huge. Single so, thing. Little thing counts. Uh, and now uh, we
1: see uh, that, that half of Republicans won't vote for Trump in the primary. Like his his day has come and gone. The problem is that too many Republicans are still afraid of that fringe of their party that is, you know, Trump's loyal army.
0: I, I know we gotta go, but just just one other thing on the fringes. I'm just gonna make this statement. I've been saying it offline. I'm gonna say it all online now. Uh, one of our uh, <laughs> favorite show so to speak on msnbc that starts the morning is now you know just incredulous about trump's worst thing in the world hillary lost by just over hundred thousand votes spread between three states electoral college i would not doubt for one minute that hundred thousand ain't a lot there are more viewers on that morning to watch that morning show That show alone could have knocked off those hundred thousand because what were they doing at the time? Emails, 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 emails. Yeah, yeah,
1: stupid freaking email thing. Attacking
0: Hillary as a woman, a woman attacking another woman is not being good enough as a woman. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a lot of folk, you know, need to have a lot of atoning to do. But that's that's how important the margins are, Mm -hmm. folks. And that and so that ended up. No more chicken little. I said this at the NAACP convention the day before yesterday, Monday. Um, everything we have talked about, every year we say this is, the, this is the biggest election of our lifetime, this is the biggest thing of our lifetime. But now it really is because things are no longer codified. Uh, uh, Voting Rights Act is gone. Roe is gone, y'all. And yeah. Marcos, maybe a lot of us don't check in with your loved ones, make sure that you, you, you follow the news, right? You understand what's happening out here. Cause there's still mm-hmm. some folk out here who e- either can't believe it, don't want to believe. It. And so some people is just too overwhelming. Everything is overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of the news is overwhelming. And, but, but understand that this, this, as young people say today, you know, SHIT just got real. Uh, <laughs> you know, it is really yep. real. Well folks, um, check out civics with the queue as always. Always become a member of the Daily Coast community if you've not already. Uh, 20th anniversary of NetRuse Nation coming up. Uh, well no, in- 20
1: years of Daily Coast. Net Nation. Coast. How many years are uh, celebration? Celebr-
0: Celebr- celebration of 20 years of daily coast, that's right.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Netroots Nation's been around probably around 12 of that.
0: Okay. I'm again yeah, yeah. Time flies 20 years.
1: Yeah. This is what <laughs> the generation. I guess so, man.
0: 2002. That seems like yesterday. What happened Mm -hmm. to our last 20 years, Marcos? We used to be in our 30s. What happened?
1: No, no, we were we were young. We were we were yeah. No, now I'm 50, and I have gray hairs.
0: And we used to be in our 30s, man. Yeah, we met. We were in our 30s. We were in our 30s.
1: (laughs) What happened? Yeah. And then our kids are leaving. Your your kids gone. My son's at he's in advanced infantry training in Georgia.
0: I just literally snap. It feels like yesterday. That's not good, man. We gotta, yeah, no, we got to slow this down.
1: We gotta, my we first need... Netroots Nation, I actually had Ari with me on stage getting my speech. He was a year old and he started screaming and crying in the middle of my speech. Yeah, baby. Now he's gone. he's uh, gone.
0: Y'all, we used to be 30. Um, Please cash <laughs> app us. <for> <laughs> not for none of these shows or the website just cash app us because we were 30 and it went back so quickly you know just i guess some of y'all say here we were 30 we some of you many of you have been with us since man and used to be 30 as well bless all of our hearts dailycoach.com civics for the uh we invite you to not only continue to subscribe and download make it plain but also download and subscribe to the brief y'all please man please sir thanks as always marcos
1: thanks so much have a great weekend yeah no I guess weekend
0: coming tomorrow's Friday. thank you yeah
1: all right thanks
0: thanks for getting woke and listening to make it plain as always perform an act of kindness on behalf of an elder or young person write a letter to a sister brother who just so happens to find her himself incarcerated offer libations to the ancestors upon whose sturdy shoulders we all now stand and above all give thanks to the God of your understanding by whatever name you call her and him all God asks of us is that we give each other love. Thanks for giving MIP love. And please remember to subscribe and give us a five-star rating if all hearts and minds are clear. It has been Made Plain.